We're having an argument right now, TD. What's up? What you arguing about? Well, I'm telling him I could have played. I'm telling him I could have played corner in college. And what's the big debate? Because every safety wants to play corner, and their ass gets slow, and the motherfuckers run past their ass seven eight times in a row. I was just watching the Packers Super Bowl, man. Oh, why you watching that? Because I had to. Just well, I got some goodies in here, so I just want to make sure we we get a chance to talk about this stuff. But yeah, yeah. But this is this is my drink right here. Let's. Go ahead and put that on there, Sam. Yeah, go ahead, man. I know you guys got your little uh, sponsorships and stuff like that. I'll say the happy dad over there, man. <laughs> you know, that's a black thing. Well, we got to well, we yeah, talk yeah. about this at some point. Oh, yeah, no, nah, for sure. Hey, you know, black people, sure. everything little. Yeah, go ahead on to your little house. <laughs> Diminish everything. Yeah, it could be 15, yeah. it could be 15,000 square feet. Oh, little house. Yeah. Got your little wedding coming up. Little wedding. Yeah, this is yeah, dope, though. Uh, yeah, let me just talk about this. This is a brand that I created, well, I helped create back in 2017. We launched it in 2019, and it's a it's a performance company. Uh, really, we call for the everyday athlete, right. right? You know, we we're used to playing on a higher level, and everybody wants to be like us. But this this is really meant for the everyday person. You know, the weekend warrior, the yoga mom, whoever, the parent, firefighter, whoever. Anybody wants to feel better. So this is a CBD drink. It yeah, actually won Beverage Digest. It's the it's the number one drink uh, CBD drink. We we won that category, and with our our boost, which is a Lightly caffeinated pre-activity drink. I don't have any with me because uh, we're out of it. But uh, you can get that. Thing, right? Yeah. So it's it's uh, that one the best low calorie, um, low sugar drink. Can I get the Spirit Airline yes, version? Yes. Yeah, the yellow black one. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Help me recover from this yeah. flight I took. I got a better way to get my CBD. How, how you how you how you get it straight? The old fashioned. <laughs> the old fashioned. And I didn't understand it back then, right? We had players that would come in and yeah. obviously they get caught up in this stuff. And you know, when we, when I played, it was taboo. You couldn't obviously you couldn't have it. So right. I would always think, man, you're just smoking this stuff because you want to just get high. But I didn't know the understand the benefits right. of CBD. And there is some effects with THC as well as CBD. And uh, the stuff works, man. I mean, as an anti-inflammatory right. yep. uh, treatment, yep. pain management, stress, sleep anxiety, all that stuff, man, it really does work. So we were able to, able to get that and put it in the drink. Well, I've been drinking this, man, and um, it's been helping with my inflammation in my knee, my back. Well, Y'all know I mean, the game, man. I'm going to tell you what, now, what we do know, he's been in the gym. He thick. Yeah, he's been in the hey, gym. Hey, honestly, I'm drink trying, a couple. Man, I'm trying. Drink a couple. We in Denver. Yeah, you right. You look a little weak. <laughs> First off, I'm sitting. I'm not playing football, so I ain't going to die. TD, last time he was here, they took all of his insides I know what happened. I know, because you wouldn't come here. He you died. Could, you couldn't play here. That's not, I could, I could, I could be here, though. No, you, you can be here, but I you couldn't, couldn't, I couldn't play. No. Is he looking flush, TD? No, nah, man. Nah, I, I, you, don't get me in there. I'm, don't try to get me in on this conversation. This one I'm chatting. <laughs> Hold up. Let me listen. Take a stomach in it. I father here to witness it. Got my people feeling militant. Where I'm feeling, get me up. Uh, on the mission, get me up. Knowing uh, me, I got the key. Uh, on this vision, I can trust. Uh, trust. Limitless. Think it's stomach cow pinning it. I father here to witness it. Got my people feeling militant. Where I'm feeling, get me up. Uh, on the mission, get me up. Uh, Terrell Davis, man, welcome to the yeah, show. Thank you, man. To, to sit down with a, a Hall of Famer is always a blessing and an honor for us. These are Freddie T's favorite shows. Anytime. We get a running back, especially one of your caliber, which are few and far between. He gets into his whole running back bag. So and don't forget the SEC East, where it started. What does that mean? 
It's not the SEC West. It's not, ain't no LSU stuff. This is old school. I forget, I, no, I don't forget. We cover Florida boys Throwback. Over here. This sorry, is old sorry. school throwback SEC. The real SEC. The that, me. That, that, that is fine. We got Channing Crowder. We got Freddie T. I'm RC. Thank you for everybody that supported us. To Happy Dad, our partners. We'll pull one up early. You know, we'll go, oh, this, these cold too, Chan. Oh, let me grab Shit, we in cold ass Denver. Freddie T, tap the top before you open it. That's what you need. All you, gotta do, all you gotta do is just put that outside. Here we go. I tell yeah. you, tap the that top. What is that? We we'll slide that one. A little seltzer. Over. Uh oh. Cheers. Well, so, okay, yeah, try. so cheers. We appreciate it. It's cold, you know what I mean? This is a Hall, Hall, of Hall of Fame edition. Yeah, we, we, we're doing a little day drinkers. Cheers. Day drinking. Day drinking. I'm a day drinker. And also, DraftKings, for your sponsorship. I mean, let's just really get into it. You have really defied the odds in becoming a Hall of Famer. And I think people will look to going to uh, Long Beach before you actually you know got Beach, an opportunity. Man, you know, somebody did some homework <laughs> yeah, over you know, there. Before, somebody pulled off the, right, looked at the <laughs> <laughs> Before you got an opportunity yeah. to go to Georgia, because people just 100% throw you into that. Also, the adversities of facing migraine headaches uh, coming up and obviously having one affect you in the Super Bowl, but I believe it starts earlier than that. And not a lot of times do we allow Hall of Fame players to show us how they became Hall of Fame people. And that's what this show is about. But for you to start wasn't with a gold jacket. It wasn't with a silver spoon. Uh, growing up with your mother and father, uh, you were sixth child out of eight, but your father was a hard man and your father dealt with some demons as well. How did those things affect you and your siblings coming up? I mean, from my dad's standpoint, it was necessary. Everything that we all, we, we end up transforming from, I think comes from, it comes from our parents. Um, my dad was, he was more like a military dad, but he had never been in the military. He was a street dude. I mean, he was, he was a gangster off the street. That's, that's the way he was raised. And he tried to raise us in a way where he didn't want us to experience that, so he was really hard on us. Mm. So anytime we got in trouble or anytime we didn't do our schoolwork, it was it was smackdown. I mean, back then it was, you know, got the extension cord, it was it was whoopings. Um, and he didn't have a lot of he wasn't very empathetic. Like it was that wasn't his role. Um, so anytime you get in trouble, it was you knew what was coming. Mm -hmm. And so um that kind of shaped and formed me from that that hardened position where if something happens, you had to get over it. You know, you couldn't cry. There wasn't no time to have, you know, no sorrow, no sympathy, no nothing. And so being the youngest of six at the time, I was able to watch my brothers get in trouble. I was able to see them do things and also be able to look at that and say, I don't want to do, I don't want to be like that because, you know, they're getting in trouble. And so, uh, and then my pops would, you know, every time we got a whooping, it was in order. Like, oldest guy at first, <laughs> all the way down to the youngest. So by the time he got to me, if we got in trouble as a group, obviously the energy wasn't there. So I, I, never, got, <laughs> I, got, I never got the full, the full, you know, wrath of it. But, um, yeah, I mean, to me, but you know what, Ryan, when, you in, when you're in it, nobody knows that their situation is different. I thought everybody's parent was like that. I thought everybody's dad was just hard. Um, you know, never could, in my opinion, I never could please him. And football became the one way that I can relate to my dad or at least try to get his approval mm. because I was the youngest and it was always about, I was mama's boy. 
and I was the youngest. And every time I would cry, I would run to my mom and he'd get pissed off. He, he didn't like that. And so I didn't think my dad even liked me. I was like, you know, he doesn't love me because he would, you know, he, he loved my other brothers because they were more like him. They get into fights and, you know, he'd, he'd praise them for getting into fights at school because that was, that was his world. Me, I'd run home and tell my brothers, my brothers, and they go to school and beat up the dudes and get into a brawl. And uh, Pops didn't like that. Internet is, is weird, and you can c correct me if I'm wrong. How much truth is there to a story of your father shooting bullets in the house to see who was scared? Because your quote, though, was that you weren't scared because he loved you. Yeah, yeah. No, and that's true. Because I mean, at the time, feeling like my dad didn't love me didn't mean that I felt my dad would harm me. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, I, I never thought in a million years. And you know, that story is true, it is true. It was one night we were at, I don't know, we went, went to bed and he came home, we had a little, you know, he drank a lot. And for some reason, he'd always try to give us lessons. You know, everything was a lesson. And one day he came in, it was pretty early in the morning, probably two or three in the morning. And it was, the four youngest were living with him and my oldest two were with my mom because they had separated. And he woke us up, we were tattooed to a bed and he just, set us up and he started talking about how life is fragile and how we're only worth six cents. That's how much a bullet costs. And then he just shot four shots over each of our heads. He left, he finished talking, left the room. And I mean, it was weird because we looked at each other and it was like, all right, we went back to bed. Like, like it was just nothing. Like it was nothing. No. Yeah, wow. like it was nothing. I mean, and so again, at that point, I didn't, that was my normal with him. He had to know Joe Davis to, to know that he would do a lot of things that were uh, unconventional. Mm -hmm. And looking back on it, now that I have kids. <laughs> it's an unconventional understatement. <laughs> Shooting at you to know, to let you know that you can get shot. But TD, you have to that's understand. TD, that's crazy. It, well, yeah, you might consider it that, but I didn't. And it's almost like certain things happen now that we can't, we can't do. And we look back and say, you know what's crazy? Right in the back of a pickup truck, where the, the bed, right? And we used to be in the back of the pickup truck with no seatbelts or nothing. That was the way it was back then. Yeah. There's, you can't do that now. Like, you would never put your kids in the back of a pickup truck. Yeah. Right? We, now, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah. So it's just how you were raised. What, what, when did you grow up? It was all unique. Mm -hmm. I never thought for once that my dad would ever harm me. I never felt that. Like, he would give us whooping. That was it. But as far as, like, he, you know, shooting us, no. But um, no, he did that. That's that's a real story, man. Your dad is in the streets, so uh, maybe not as much time at home as you guys and your siblings would have uh, probably liked. Your introduction to sports. Yeah. How did you get in, involved? So I had my older brothers. They all played everything: baseball, basketball, football. For me, football because of the violence of football. I realized that that was a way for me to get my dad's approval. Mm. You know, I played baseball, sucked. Played basketball. I, didn't, I mean, nothing else resonated with me. I, I'm, I'm the only, I'm the only football player, ever, who say they can only play football. <laughs> I became weird. that guy, huh? Yeah. I became that. guy. You became that guy, but yeah. I promise you, everybody. I, I bet you, every time you talk about what sport you would have been able to been a pro in, everybody, you probably would have been like basketball or something, right? A pro at it? No, but I could hoop. Let's see, there you go. I'm just being uh, real. I'm saying. So every, but, everybody, but everybody, everybody's like was great at everything. You know, yeah, I, was, yeah. I was a great baseball player. I could have been a basketball player. I could have been a That's always the DBs and receivers, though. Yeah, but every 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 person I know, every yeah. every athlete I know, 
claims that. Mm -hmm. When people say, what other sport would you have been good at? My response is nothing. Like, <laughs> mm. I'm a football player. And I'm not, I wasn't just a running back. I'm a football player. Like, I played defensive line. I played linebacker. I was a kicker. I, play, I, I played it all. I just love to get, I love the sport of football. So going back to early years, when I realized that football was what, like, my dad, he, what he appreciated was that the contact and the violence and all that stuff. And since he considered me mama's boy as being the youngest, I, I didn't like that. I hated him calling me that. So I needed to find something that could get his approval. And my brothers all play football. So I was like, this is a perfect fit. Mm -hmm. And from and then I was playing with them just in the backyard pickup anyway. So, you know, you play with your other brothers, this will make you tougher. Make you tough. Right. And then in many you play with kids who are your same size, you know, same age. Oh, it wasn't even it wasn't even it wasn't even competition then. Right. Because right. I was running, I'm, I'm my first position was they put me at I was left guard <laughs> I was left guard mm -hmm. nose, nose tackle huh you nose, nose tackle because yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean the way they do it is pretty simple right they line you up and they run you run gases and they take all the fast kids they say you guys go over there all the slow kids you go over there I was in a slow group <laughs> so I went over there and they put me at left guard and my brother uh, just older than me Terry he was the right guard and we would have competitions during the game, who can knock out the most players. And this, this is, I mean, I'm seven years old. I mean, it's like for a seven-year-old. And we would try to just, how many kids we can try to put in and have the ambulance come out there and take them off the field. Now, it never happened because it's Little League. But it was decleaters and all that stuff. And yeah. we would, we would uh, have a competition to do that. And that was fun for us. And then, so the contact was really, really, um, it was fun. The last, second to last game of my, my uh, first year playing, I used to pester the coaches about playing running back. For some reason, I wanted to play running back, and they would never let me play. And then finally, second to last game, we were beating the team pretty bad. So one of my coaches, I kept saying, "Hey, Frank, I need, I want to play it." And he's finally like, "All right, we're gonna let you run with the ball." And that was that was the day. That that was the day, man. That was the day that in my true position as running back. Now I wasn't like Fred T. I wasn't shaking Come folks on, out of their boots. Yeah, I he was full two though. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. He was, I, I wasn't that dude. I wasn't the fast guy, uh -huh. but you couldn't bring me down. And so that, I, I mean, I probably scored, you know, two touchdowns that first game, and then I started the last game of the season, and I probably had five touchdowns, you know, 200 yards. I mean, they couldn't, I mean, I'm little, little seven-year-olds. I mean, I'm just running through them, man. I'm just crushing them. Hey, and it's funny hearing you talk because it's just you joked about RC research, and everybody looks up the Wikipedia. It's what you do. Yeah, you, you see the you. story. Then yeah. you go back and look at the story. You wrote your book. So you see that I didn't read the book. I can't read no long book. I buy one though. I put get, it get in the books audio. Now. Get the <laughs> audio books. Better. Audio books but now. As as you read it, your father's painted as a monster. Really, they no. say abusing animals, yeah. abusing kids. Like they, that's why you're talking about. It's just kind of. I was like, damn, it's no. not the same. Hell no, hell no. It's not no. But no, it's again. When I look back, my dad. I'm I'm shit. I'm eighty percent, seventy percent of what he built in me. Mm. And again, looking back, it wasn't, yeah, it was a weird now. I would never do that to my kids. Like, I, that's one page of my dad's book I wouldn't, I'm not going to take and use with my kids. But so when we separated, my dad never, we always have food. He'd always had dinner made for us. He'd always, I mean, he was a very caring dad in terms of like providing. So, but he, was he, did he have his rules? Absolutely. But was he neglect? Was he like a dad that, that neglected us? Hell no. 
You know what I mean? He was tough, but he worked two jobs, provided food for us, made sure we had clothes on our backs. We went to a nice little school where he lived. But no, he was demanding. I mean, it, it, it wasn't easy, you know. Did uh, the football make it better? Football was what got our relationship to a point where um, where I felt like, okay, now Pops, you know, he, he, he respects me as being like my other brothers. That's all you wanted. That's it. Yeah. That's it. But he never, and my dad never said he loved us. Um, that's just, not that he didn't, but you know what I'm saying? He, he wasn't that you, person. When you have that sort of upbringing that it seems now you look back on very fondly in the sense of who it made you to be as a man. You're at Long Beach. You play like five games. And I looked at your stats, bro. You ain't have <laughs> 200 I know, and, right? and 80 yards. <laughs> and you and Cali, by Peter, was over recruiting at Georgia, and they come get you. You've played in five games. You've rushed for like 280. What are your expectations of yourself as you're headed to play big-time SEC football? Yeah, that's a good question, man. It was it was weird because you just said it. I had I played five games at Long Beach State. I walked on Long Beach State, ended up getting a scholarship after the, my uh, first year there. I redshirted. And then I played five games. I, I severely sprained my ankle in training camp, came back, played five games, and did the other one. So I didn't, I didn't play a full season. And then the season, uh, Long Beach, bless, you know, George Allen was a great coach. And we were just, we weren't that, we weren't good, man. Like, I'm great. <laughs> I mean, we were like, a, you know, we were like a hundred and, with a bottom program in D1 football. Right. Fast forward to that, you know, one year where we have uh, Willie, Willie Brown's our head coach. We don't win a lot of games. And then when the season ends, they call us all in. They said, they, they, they're done. I mean, they team meeting. It was like, okay, well, I'm thinking we about to hear some good news. <laughs> And they just said, listen, man, the program is done. Like, <laughs> <laughs> no financing, no money. Right. Um, they have discontinued the program. And it's like, wow. Man, like, I had worked my way up from, like, seventh on the depth chart, earned a scholarship, but now you tell me the program's canceled? So that was interesting. So now you're scrambling. All right, what am I going to do? I can stay at Long Beach, just be a student. Uh, they, they honored scholarships, so they, you can stay there. And that crossed my mind. But then the other side of me is, I, I love football. I want to play. And it was no schools knocking down the door trying to give me a scholarship. So I took a, a, a visit over to UCLA, uh, called them up, sent them some, you know, like I said, two minutes of, of highlights, which <laughs> wasn't that much. And I did an unofficial visit there. And they were, they were interested, but they weren't really clamoring. To, you know, they, were, they had some other guys they wanted to sign. So in the meantime, I come back home. You know, within about two weeks span, we're looking for schools. My, all my buddies were cutting up tape. Trying to send them out to schools, and then I come back to my dorm room one day, and you know we had the old school answer machines, a little red dot, a little red lights beeping, mm -hmm. and so I'm checking through the messages, and um, I hear this this dude with a southern voice, and he's like, "Hey, hey, hey, Terrell, this is uh, it's Bob Pittert uh, from the University of Georgia." I'm like, "What?" Like, I mean, I'm shocked to hear George like Georgia. Right. So I'm, I run it back for my uh, my roommate to hear it, and I said, "Did he just say Georgia?" He's like, "Yeah, man, he said Georgia." So I called him back, and um, he's like, "Hey, man, listen, we uh, we're inter interested in bringing you out, come look at the school, and to bring some tape. If we like what we see, we can offer you a scholarship." Wow. You know, I didn't know I didn't know how they found me then, but the story goes because uh, I asked Bob Pittard about that. 
when I went to the, the Hall of Fame, I asked him because I was like, man, how the hell did you guys come out to California to find me? Like, it, it ain't like, I mean, come on, Miss Georgia, right? Right. Like, you got to skip over all these states. <laughs> you got to skip a whole lot of And then you go into one of the worst programs in the country. Like, it ain't like you going to, you know, a, a respectable D1 program. Right. And he said that he called, they saw it on the news, and they, they just, it was like, listen, let's just see if, if they have anything there. And they asked him and said, do you guys have anybody on your roster who you think can play in the SEC? And the person said, yeah, we got one person that can that we think can play in the SEC. And they said me. Wow. So, so you fast forward. 91, 92, you transfer to Georgia. You're playing behind one of the best backs in the country in Garrison Hurst. He goes on to get drafted. In 93, you become the, ma- become the man. Yeah. But injuries slow you down. So 93, 94, you know, you're still a great player. But the injuries. No, I'm afraid I would. no, no, no. You're a very good player. And then the injuries are a big thing. And those things are, are slowing you down. And another rumor has it that former coach Ray Goff, he didn't share your 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 film and footage with the NFL, with the pro scouts. Yeah. Is there truth to that? I was told by certain scouts that that, that happened. He and I, we just butted heads. We just did uh-huh. not like each other. But when I went to Georgia, the biggest thing that happened to me and it happens to a lot of players, was that the lights were too bright, man. Like, I'm at Long Beach State. Right. You go to Georgia, and I'm behind Garrison Hurst, who, you know, top five in the Heisman Trophy, mm-hmm. uh, trophy ballots. The dude, the dude was a bad. I mean, right. Garrison's probably one of the best backs I've ever played. He probably is the best back I've ever played with. Because mm-hmm. the skills were off the chain. And then I'm, I'm behind him for a year. He goes to the draft, and then all of a sudden, it's time for me to shine. And I had worked my way up again from like seventh to backing him up. And then when it was my turn, and now I'm on these like SEC magazines, and everybody's expecting me to be Garrison Hurst to be the next great running Georgia running back. Man, that puts that's a lot of pressure, man. That's 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 a that was a lot for me, and I just never felt comfortable with that role. And then you add. Injuries. You add the the you know fighting with the head coach. You know I'm not from Georgia, so I'm I'm out of my element. I'm missing my missing being back home with my friends. So it, it I struggled at Georgia big time, and that was kind of my career there. My junior season, I came out. I was actually came out the gates smoking, man. Like you know back to back back like probably three straight 100 yard games, and then but we weren't winning games. We were losing. Right. And so everybody was like, ah, you know this dude, this running back ain't Garrison. Because I wasn't giving you 50-yard runs, 70-yard yeah. runs. I'm giving you – I'm a chain mover. That's right. my – I move the chains. Like, I'm, I'm going to play the game the way the game you – know. They give me 10 yards. They give me yeah. four yeah. plays to get exactly. it. Exactly. <laughs> it so, what is it, second and, second and six? All right, I'm, I'm trying to get you seven, eight. Right. I'm trying to get you closer to the first down. And I play the – that's the way I play the game. But they wanted they wanted the pizzazz. They wanted 90-yard right. runs. And I, that just wasn't me. So, fast forward to my senior year when this is when I thought football for me was done. You know, I struggled in, at Georgia, couldn't stay healthy, conflict with the head coach. And then I tore my hamstring mm. uh, the second game my senior year, and I missed five games. Mm-hmm. And during that five-game stretch, to me, I'm like, football's really over. Like, I don't really have a chance to play on the next level. Doesn't look like it. And then one game I go to, it's, uh, I think we're playing Vanderbilt or something, and I'm sitting in stands. They wouldn't even let me sit on the sideline. That's how, that's how much me and my coach was beefing. So they made me sit in the stands. So I'm sitting in the, in the nosebleeds, and I'm watching Georgia play. And I'm, so as I'm watching the game, I'm just for some reason, I had a different perspective because I'm like, you know, you can't tell when people are hurt. Mm-hmm. You can't tell what people are going through. And the people in the stands don't give a damn. Right. They don't care what you're going through. 
they, they just want performance. And so I, I used to always lean on, man, I'm hurt, so I can't play. And I realized that, man, it don't matter what, you, what you're going through, they don't know that. And if you suit up, you better be performing. Absolutely. Right? That's, that's the rule. You can't have excuses if once you put the pads on, it, they're out the window. And then I sat there and I asked myself a question as I was sitting there, because I didn't feel like I fulfilled my, uh, my potential at Georgia. And I said, damn, did I give it everything I had when I played, when I was on the field? And the answer came back, and I was like, no, I didn't. Wow. I didn't. I don't know why. I, I, I asked myself that question. Now, it, we had four more games left, and I was on my way back from, uh, from the torn hamstring. And I just said, man, you know what? I didn't. I, I really didn't have the. I didn't enjoy college like I thought I would. At least the football part of it. And I said, man, when I come back, I want to be able to walk off the field when my career is over. Next after these next four games, I just want to be able to walk off the field and just ask myself the question: Did I give it everything I had? And at the answer, I wanted to just be out. Yes, I did. And that's it, Ryan. I was like, that's the only thing that my my goal is from now. I I cannot. I don't want to walk away from this this situation with regret. And I said, I could hold my head up high if I walk away and say, man, yeah, I gave everything, everything I had, and that wasn't good enough. I'm cool with that. But what would kill you over your life is when you say, damn, I should have played harder. I should have did this. I should have did that. And I said, I didn't want that. Eventually, I came back that next week, and I was ready. They put me at fullback because Heinz Ward was a freshman. He was a starting running back. When I went down, Heinz became a starting running back. So they, wanted, they didn't want to bench Heinz. And so we, I played two games at fullback. And, man, when I tell you, man, I was running through, I was running through brick walls mm. as a fullback. I'm talking about ISO blocks. It didn't matter. I was doing everything. And I didn't care, but I had the most fun. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. During that period that I had at Georgia, wow. I was free. I, didn't, I was, didn't think no more. I didn't care what, what the fans thought. I didn't care about, you know, whether I had 100 yards, if I needed to break it, you know, go for 1,000. It, did, it didn't matter, Fred. It, it, was, it was all about playing football the way I played it when I was little. And when I found that joy, when I found that right kind of cadence, man, I was happy. And then finally, the coaches came to me and they, and they were like, hey, man, we noticed something different in you. Like, you just look different out there. Mm-hmm. You know, we love the way you've been practicing, love the way you've been. And then they had me a scout team doing that two weeks, too. And I was killing them. So I'm playing, <laughs> I'm playing a scout team. I'm just, I'm running through them, man. And, and normally, if, if the play is called, you know, toss right or whatever, 18, I'll keep it right side. Man, in practice, I'm taking that thing. I'm, I'm reversing field. I'm doing everything. I'm, I'm just, I, I'm having fun. I don't care. You're back to being seven I'm, years I'm old. I'm back to last being seven years games. old, man. Last two games. Yeah. And so then they came to me, and, and we're playing Auburn. We have Auburn and Georgia Tech are our last two games. And they said, hey, man, you look, you look really good, so we're going to make you the starting running back. So they put me start against Auburn. Auburn was like on a 20-something game win streak. You know, they were uh, number one team. And so they – made me the starter and uh from there man i i just you know went to that game had probably the best game i ever had caught the ball blocked did everything ran the ball we didn't beat Auburn, we tied them but it was for the first time that i had played a game the way i wanted to play a game 
a way I wanted to play a game. And I did something interesting that night before we played Auburn. After our team meeting, I got up there, and I, I would never do this. Enough. I would never address the team. Like, I don't know what happened, but something compelled me to, to say something to the team. And I stood up there, and I told them, like, hey, man, listen, and, and, and kind of uh, paraphrasing it, but more likely, give me the football. I guarantee you I'll get 100 yards, and we're going to win this game. And, but, I, you know, I said some other stuff, and that's, that, was, that was a sign for myself of, of kind of taking things to the next level and maturing a little bit and taking responsibility and accepting that role of, mm. like, man, that spotlight, when you accept the role of being greatness, it ain't, it's, it's not easy. Like, people think that, yeah, you know, that everybody embraces that role. They don't. Right. It, man, it is hard to, 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 to be the man. <laughs> yeah. It's and, hard to be the man. And being that man, to be honest with you, TD, you weren't good at football. No. <laughs> you weren't like, if y'all talking going through, you know, the transfers and then go to yeah, Jordan. You, mean, like, uh, you weren't good at football. I was a football player, though. <laughs> <laughs> you had a jersey and a helmet. <laughs> but, then, but then you become like RC Kamer. We brought in, we brought in the Hall of Famer. Like, was that the, the switch? Because as you talk about growing up, you weren't good. Got to college, you weren't good. No, 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 I didn't good. say I wasn't good. I said I wasn't, I wasn't a foot. I'm, I I'm was, telling no. you wasn't good. <laughs> no, 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 I'm saying, well, all right, if you, if you ask, and I probably skipped this entire thing, but from the time I was seven years old, when I told you I got the rock and started destroying kids, I was the best back in probably San Diego, probably California, from seven to 12. Hmm. So I had, I had experienced that. As a kid, being really good, as a matter of fact, they gave me a name Boss Hog when I was yeah, trucking over fools. I fools. read that. I was trucking them. So Boss Hog was like a legendary player in San Diego. Ask anybody about Boss Hog from 7 to 12. So I was really good. And then I quit. When my dad, uh, my dad died, I just lost everything. I lost, I lost my, my passion for football. I lost my passion for life. And so I stopped playing. And then when I came back to playing high school and I got back into football, I remember distinctly having that feeling of, man, every game we played, if I didn't score four or five touchdowns, you know, we probably we could win. But it was a little bit of pressure feeling like every game you had to be the man. And I, I wanted I didn't want to be in that spotlight. So that's why I ended up playing nose guard in high school. Yeah. So most people think, I know I just I, I volunteered to be a nose guard. I didn't want to play. I played in the fullback and nose guard. Because I wanted, to, I wanted to help our team win, but I didn't want to be like the... You want to be the guy? I didn't, I didn't know. Uh, With that, take us to Tokyo, Japan, and trying to get home and quit football yeah. your, your rookie year. First off, the fact that they sent y'all on a preseason game to Japan is absolutely bonkers. Why do you me. say that? To, to spend that money and listen... You know, back in the American Bowl, we traveled not only to like... We went to Australia... We went to Mexico City, we went to Japan, and then other teams went, I think they went to Europe, went, uh, I guess they were going to Europe back then. Right. So the American Bowl was- It was, was a big deal. It was a big deal. It was the version of, of what we have now, where they go regular season, but it was preseason stuff. So you, was try, you were trying to quit and come home. What was it, the language barrier? You couldn't get, you couldn't get yourself back to the crib? Yeah, yeah, that <laughs> happened. That happened in my rookie year. Yeah. That's the game, San Francisco. You make kind of the special teams tackle. It kind of does that. That sounds almost like playing fullback for you, where you start an ascension doing something that wasn't, that wasn't going to be your job. My job doing it. Yeah. So it was my rookie season, and again, I go to get drafted Denver sixth round, get to Denver, and 
you guys know how camp is, man. If you're a six-round draft prep, brother, you get no reps. So I was getting no reps. I'm, I'm on the depth chart. Six, I'm seventh on the depth chart. And we have a new coach. So they have, they don't know. They don't, that definitely didn't know me. And they were trying to really get players that had experience and to give them more, more time and reps. So, um, and our camps were super long. We talking about, we had five, we had six weeks because we had a new coach and we had five preseason games back then. I know you, y'all young boys, y'all young boys, y'all wouldn't know what to do with that, with that six week training camp over there. Well, Freddie, Freddie T negotiated the CBA that set y'all up like that. You probably did. Hey, so I'm the old head in a group. That, that's a running joke. We played the Niners actually twice, yeah. which is weird. We played them the first game in Denver, and we play them again in, in uh, Tokyo. The following week, we get there on, I think it's Tuesday, and it is, I don't know if you've ever been to Tokyo, and it's, it is hot. I mean, it's hotter than being down in Georgia and Florida, man. The humidity mm. is through the roof, and it was super hot. We were practicing against the 49ers. So we're doing a joint practice mm. with the Niners when we get there, as soon as we get there, and we're down to two backs. So now I go from getting zero reps in training camp to getting all of the reps. And I am blowing it, man. I'm telling you, I'm, I'm exhausted. I don't, I'm blowing the assignments. I'm dropping <laughs> passes. I'm getting my ass kicked on, on pass pro. You name it, I'm, I'm, I'm losing. You know, I'm struggling. And, I, and it's in my mind, and I'm getting my coaches cussing me out. I just think, man, at this point, they're going to cut me anyway. Right. So what the hell am I doing here? I go back to the hotel, and I'm like, I'm getting the hell out of here, man. Like, I, I, I can't keep doing this, but like, this is just stupid. And so I called down to the uh, front desk. You know, they didn't have, you, it, it wasn't no phone with Travelocity. This ain't no Expedia. You don't, you don't just book to your phone back then. We didn't, right. have, we didn't have these nice phones. And um, but Japanese wasn't great, so we weren't communicating. And I'm like, let's take a flight out. Didn't understand her. She didn't understand me. So after about 10 minutes of frustration, I was like, you know what? Screw this, man. When we get back to Denver, I'm done. Like, I'm just going to quit. I'm going back to Georgia. I'll figure it out. But I'm done. Like, I'm going, I, you know, football just wasn't, wasn't for me at the time. So we, we uh, got to go to the game. So I go to the game. And, you know, again, my mind is already, I've already quit. So that game comes, and I'm, I'm just, um, you know, watching every, every quarter go by. Then we have halftime. We come out third quarter. And uh, at halftime, though, I'm starving, man. So I got to eat, brother. I'm like, you know, y'all veterans on the sideline, they got hot dogs, they got nachos, they eating whatever. So I'm eating, eating with the fellas. And then all of a sudden they call me uh, special teams coach, Richard Smith. He's like, hey, 30. And everybody's screaming 30, go on the field. Now, this is on kickoff. They tell me to go on the field, kickoff, so I would go out there. And I remember thinking, though, I'm like, damn, I'm in this game. And I'm, I'm and I, you know, I had done kickoffs as a kid. We all run down there. But I'm, all, but I'm also conscious to know that, man, it's the first time I get a chance to prove, to, to show something. So I'm like, dude, like, whoever getting that ball, I'm, I'm running down there. I'm knocking somebody's head off. That's, that was my mentality. So when I saw the dude catch the ball and run, I was like, oh, yeah, this is on. It's on. That was my shot. Beelined it. <clears throat> Tyrone Drakeford. I remember his name, too. Yep. That's exactly who it was. My bad, man. My bad. My bad, T. Drake. My wow, shoot. Thank you, Tyrone. Yeah, I appreciate it. <laughs> that was actually textbook tackling. If you watch the film, it was textbook. The Frank, really good. But that that was the play. I made that tackle, man, and um, that was the one where I went back to the sideline. That was probably the first time that Elway, I even seen Elway give you know mm. had said something to me. And as the preseason progressed, I was getting more and more responsibilities, and I was answering. The bail with everything. You go from a six-round pick, 196 overall, 
like the sixth guy on the depth chart. And typically special teams is the way if you're going to make any noise and if you're a long shot guy, yeah. special teams is the way you can, can make the team. Yeah. But you did more than that. You, 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 gained, you came from sixth on the depth chart to the starter yeah. your rookie year in 95. You ended up with 1,100 yards rushing, the most yards by a back uh, drafted that late. And then in 96, you ended up having 1,500 yards rushing. You got new money. Oh, shit. <laughs> New <we> money. <laughs> five years, $7 million. You made an upgrade five, from that. that five, five years, 6.8. Well, first million. of all, you can't skip over my contract. You got to tell the world. Do you, you know what well, the let's go about, Let's get to the contract. I'll let you hit it. My, my signing bonus was for $38,000. Say that again. <laughs> <laughs> I went third round, but it, was, it wasn't no $38,000. $38,000. My base salary was $119,000 my first year. It, that's, that's huge. I'm supposed to be sad? Yeah, uh, no, 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 not sad. No. Hey, my first, no, my, my signing bonus check? Six hundred and eighty-three dollars and like seventy-four cent after taxes. Yeah, but you were undrafted though. Well, yeah, I know, but you ain't gotta say it like that. Back to my point, <laughs> y'all should have been better in football. <laughs> <laughs> it was how much? It was it was a thousand dollars total, but after taxes. That's your signing bonus. Damn, that's what you call wipe your ass yeah, money. Because you came in two thousand and two. Two. But in '95, you you lead all rookies. You you have an amazing rookie year. Then in 96, you have well over 1,500. You get the new money. And from there, everything's up. In, in, in 97, Super Bowl MVP, you break all the other records, all of the Broncos record. In 98, you go over 2,000. In 98. And then in 99, the 98 was MVP, league MVP, but you already had a Super Bowl MVP in the bag. And you were talking earlier about being the man. Yeah. How did you handle all of that, it wasn't instant. We, you told us the journey and the hard work, but how did you handle that from a guy who didn't want to be the guy? It taught me, man, it, you, either, you either embrace it and accept what comes with it. And I used to have this thing I used to think about, an acronym, and I call it, it's a, I call it ROPE, Responsibility, Obligation, Pressure, and Expectations, mm -hmm. right? The, if you think about a ROPE, you can either pull yourself up with this ROPE or this ROPE is going to trip you, it's going, it's, you're going to trip on the ROPE. Right. And it allowed me to kind of look at it and say, you really have a choice to handle pressure and handle being famous, handle being good. It comes with, it comes with a, lot of, a lot of things we don't think about. We, those kids probably think, I want to be like LeBron James. But do you realize? What do you got to deal with? Do you realize the amount of pressure and you know, expectations that, that LeBron has to deal with on a day-to-day -day, day -day basis. No, LeBron's been dealing with this since he was in uh, youth sports. And it's not easy, man. And, I, and so I had to say, I either, I'm either going to accept this and what comes with this, or I'm not. And when I embraced it after being in Georgia, saying from this point on, I'm going to accept whatever comes with this and try not to sabotage myself with looking at my my uh, my career and trying to just be good enough, and we all play with players, and we all you know you guys know them. I know I play with the players. They just wanted to be good enough that they can make the squad, live the live the life of an NFL player. But on Sundays they didn't want to they didn't want to contribute. They didn't want to they didn't want the pressure of having to go play. 
We all know them. I, I, I'm not yeah. going to blow out no names, but I play with players like that. And it's like they just wanted to make – and I was like that. I just wanted to be good enough at Georgia, you know, where I'm making a contribution, but I don't want to be the man. I don't want, I don't want games to pin them. And, and, and in doing that, you sabotage yourself, and you chances are you're going to end up sucking and, being, and not being the player you're supposed to be or person you're supposed to be. Right. And so when I, when I made a commitment that from now on, from now on, I don't care about what happens. Uh, I'm going to accept this role of being good. It freed me. And, and it freed me to where when I took that mentality to, to Denver, yeah, I expected to be the man. And when I became the man, everything that came with it, I was like, all right, this is what, this is what comes with this. Mm-hmm. And um, was it easy? No. Wasn't easy being being a man and having to deal with uh, you know crowds and not being able to go places and now uh, interview requests you're getting a lot of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, the team is leaning on you when when they need a spark. That's not easy. I got a little ahead of myself because I, I kind of jumped over the '97 season in the year you won the Super Bowl MVP. Yeah, and. The entire season, I mentioned you had 17, over 1,700 yards rushing. And then in the playoffs, you did something only one back in the history of the game John Riggins had ever done. You had consecutive 100-yard games and each playoff game leading to the Super Bowl. There again, your team is, is leaning on you. They need you to be the spark if they're going to do anything. But in the second quarter of the Super Bowl in which you won the Super Bowl MVP, you, you, you were nowhere to be found. You had migraines. Yeah. What was going through your head in, one, in the most important game in your entire life, in your whole career since you started playing football? What was, well, other than the migraine, what was going through your mind? Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> but come on, man. Like, you know, this is the game we've all been, we've been, play, we've been working for as a kid. We didn't work our asses off to get here, and all of a sudden a migraine comes. And I, that was like my biggest fear was having my having a migraine right in the middle of, of of this kind of game. And my biggest fear came true. And when it hit me in the second quarter, the only thing I could think of was I was disappointed that I was letting the catch that we I got there with down. And that's the biggest thing as a player, man. If we if you feel that regret, if you feel disappointed as a player, that's that's all I want you to I mean as a as a teammate, we I don't play the game for nobody else. I didn't I never I'm playing it for all the cats on this field, the coaches in the locker room. Now, fans, I mean, obviously kind of indirectly for them, but mainly for the dudes that I'm, I'm, I'm suiting up with. And so when I felt like I was letting them down, that was the hardest thing for me to, to get over. Was I'm, let, I'm, letting, I'm letting them down, but I, there's nothing I could do about it. I had to let the migraine run its course. And typically what happens is my vision goes, and that's about an hour and then, at, you know, once that clears up, I have a pounding headache and then I have nausea, vomiting. God. And then I can have a headache for anywhere from, you know, four hours to sometimes I had, my longest was two days. And when, so when it happened right in the middle of the game, I'm like, all right, started look, doing the math on it. It happened in the second quarter. We got a long ass halftime coming up. I knew that. And I'm like, so there's a good chance I could I could see. And I took my medication that I take once I get a migraine. And I actually forgotten to take my my medicine to prevent the migraine because of everything that was going on. You know, it's the Super Bowl. So right. 
my mind was just strictly on plays and just thinking about the game. And I didn't realize until I walked back in after after our pregame, I'm like, damn, I forgot to take this medicine. And I was like, oh, shit. So that really started thinking, now I'm really scared that it could happen. Mm-hmm. And then the perfect storm hit. You know, you, I don't know if you saw the play, but I'm getting a toss right. I come downhill. I cut back in, and it's, yeah, um, Santana Dotson trips me, <laughs> and I fall down, and then my, as I'm falling, my head gets hit on, I don't know whose knee it was, but right, I mean, it was like a, mm. right on top of my helmet. And I knew it, I mean, everything went black, and I was like, as I kind of stayed there on my knees, trying to recover from it, I'm knowing what's about to happen. And I'm crazy. all right, this thing's about to come, and I'm praying it doesn't come, but I know it. Now, here's the other thing, too. You think about, we're talking about different eras and, and, and time. If that happened today, I don't play in that game. Nope. Oh, okay. Not another snap. I don't play in that game. Helmet's gone. I'm out the game. I'm in street clothes watching. Oh, oh. So it's, it's kind of like sometimes I'm like, damn, I, I wish I played in today's game because of all the, the non-practices you guys, well, not you guys have, but you know what I mean? Like, the, it's, it's, it's beautiful, and, and the game has not suffered from it. So I, I enjoy all that, but I'm also grateful back then that we had some liberty in, in saying, hey, I, I want to play. And, bro, speaking about your greatness and them for that four-year stretch, and you have a gold jacket, so these doubters, you, you, you stuck your tongue out of them, I say, but you were in a system that was very advantageous for a back. Yeah. When people speak about you and your successes, they always bring up Shanahan's yeah. and that wide zone where you weren't, they would say you're not like a Marshall Falk or LaDainian that could play in any system, give him the ball. Right. Your success was based on Shanahan's play calls. What do you, how do you feel about that when people want to downplay a Hall of Fame career? Did you just say I had a what? what what's that home? You got the gold, Jack. Okay, so. <laughs> <laughs> but could you, to the dollars that you, um, could, you, couldn't, you couldn't play in the greatest show on turf and be Terrell Davis, TD? I would say... It's, it's, it's a funny argument because if you look at Denver, like what, if you look at um, Denver's offense, we didn't run the wide stretch my rookie year. So, and I, and I said, if you know football, I said, go back and watch this film. You tell me if, if, right. if I ran a wide stretch and I have over 1,000 yards. We ran the true split back formation. I was running the ball at a three-point stance. I was doing dives and whams and bobs and all this other stuff. So I've already proven I can play in another system because that wasn't what we ran my second and third year. We ran strictly San Francisco's West Coast offense, which is strictly the fullback and halfbacks are interchangeable. I, so I block a lot. I was I was blocking a lot. And it's funny because my longest run came from a a 10 wham, which is, uh, which, I mean, it's, it's the most old school looking play you ever want to see. Right. right. The quarterback turns around and I just do a dive, dive, I dive up the middle and I run 60 yards on the field. So, I mean, to me, I don't, listen, I... I guess at this point, I never really, it doesn't really matter. Because, I mean, what people say, whether, whether you can play in another system or not, um, I will say this, though. Yeah, am I blessed to have played with Mike Shanahan? Hell yeah. Am I blessed to have played with Elway? Hell yeah. Mm-hmm. Am I blessed to have been with, you know, Shannon? Hell yeah. So all of that was necessary. I'm not the one that's going to come up and tell you that, yeah, I could do all of them. No, I needed my team. I needed my offensive line. I needed to be... Um, on a team that had the way we practice, the way we went about our business, because Mike took everything from San Francisco, and we had kind of the we were the first ones to to not have we didn't hit at all really, we we had our nine on seven periods during the season, and then that was it, and that was like eight plays, so it for them it was all speed speed speed, 
it was the first time that I had to, um, in practice, get the ball and run 40, 50 yards down the field mm. every time you touch the ball. And what that did for me, it, it allowed me to build up stamina and endurance. And I had never been known for speed, but I, I started becoming faster the way we practice. So I'm going to always give credit to being in that organization and call it a system or whatever you want to call it. But I took advantage of it. And, you know, that's just the big thing. It's people who are in systems that cater to what they do. They didn't take advantage of it. So, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm not. Yeah, that stuff doesn't really bother me anymore. I don't I don't really care about that. Um, I do recognize that as far as skills. No, I'm not the most talent skilled player. Because I always say that this dude over here sitting on this chair, mm. he knows it. I keep saying it. I'm going to keep saying it. As far as skills, I don't know if there's one better than Fred Taylor out there. Agree with that. So why did he have a jacket? Well, he played on a team. They didn't win a lot. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's, a, I mean, it's a lot. It's a small market. You, you know, you got to say timing, everything. Um, I mean, when you're stuck in, you know, no, 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 I'm not downplaying Jacksonville. But every time the, the Hall of Fame thing comes around, you know, I see so many fans, the Twitters, the Instagram, like this all over the place. They would, you know, they defend me and say, if our Freddie T had played in Dallas or Pittsburgh or New York, yeah, you have a jacket already. But neither here nor there, we don't have any control of it, which is the reason why I don't have a jacket. But I always go back to the guys that has done it before me, yourself always vouching for me. You got the Derrick Brooks. You know, the Ed Reeves, the Ray Lewis, those guys who I've played against or the guys that have seen me play the position, Marcus Allen. Those guys, when they say Freddie T is my type of guy, yeah. Uh, and when Jim Brown said that, that validated my entire career. Yeah. So the jacket would be icing, obviously, but to hear it from those guys that you go to war with and that you respect and admire, it, it, it means more right here to me. I think that goes to the next point. Listening to you speak about your football journey is also about life for you. You started playing because you felt like that physicality would draw you closer to your father. Yeah. He passes, you lose that passion, right? Yeah. That's, that, that's one stage of TD playing football. Mm -hmm. And then you're sitting in the stands and you ask yourself a question. Yeah. You say to yourself, have I given everything I can possibly give to this game? And so no matter what happens for the next few games I'm back, if it's blocking for Heinz War, whatever it is, I'm going to go out and do that to the best of my ability. You can't get home for, from Japan, but you get an opportunity on kickoff, and you say to yourself, this is my opportunity. This is my chance to go show them that I have something. All of those things culminate with a Super Bowl MVP. All of those things culminate with the MVP of the entire league, which is dang near impossible for yeah. running backs to yeah, do. Especially now. Right, and then you have 99, you have 2000, you have 2001. And ironically, you retire in a week leading up to a preseason game against San Francisco, which started it all. Yeah. You wait that amount of time to finally get your gold jacket. When you, when you get that call and they're telling you that you are now a Hall of Famer, what parts of your career, what parts of your life, your journey, did you reflect on the most? Probably the tougher, the harder ones. Again, going back to my dad and how I always wondered, because I, I don't have the answer to this, but I always wondered. With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, motion sounds something like this. 
Kizik helps you experience the magic of motion. With over 200 patents and easy on, easy off technology, you'll never have to touch your shoes again. There are hundreds of styles and colors, plus a squish like nothing you've ever felt. For a limited time, get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Was he ever proud? Because he never got a chance to see me play. So I've always wondered all this time, like, how does he, how does he feel? Like, is he looking down? Is he, is he proud? I hope he is. You know, I, I feel like he is. Um, and that, that to me was, uh, was really came out during the Hall of Fame. I, I didn't think about that for a while until I was, uh, you know, getting ready to do the speech and, and start thinking about ref or reflecting on a career. It's like, damn, you know, my pops, that's the one that, that kind of dr drove me to, to want to be good at in football. And how does he feel about it? I've had moments in my life where I felt like I'm, I wasn't supposed to be here. I don't know if I, I didn't tell you guys the story, but when I when I, when my dad died, that's where I, everything went off the rails, man. I kind of lost it for uh, wasn't playing sports, and it was one day I was coming back from a party about two o'clock in the morning. Me and my buddy and some you know, friend of his, and we decided to stop at a neighborhood where, for whatever reason, see a friend. We pull up to the neighborhood. I'm sitting there in the back seat. He's in the pa passenger seat. She's driving. And there's some guys out there. Really can't see them. Kind of super dark. And it's kind of see some silhouettes out there. And so a guy walks over to the driver's seat. He's talking to the girl. And all of a sudden, he sees my friend. Apparently, they're in opposite, you know, they're in rival gangs. And so they start shouting, yelling. He gets out the car. I get out of the car. I walk around the back of the car. And they're in the street about to square off and fight. And everybody, so people coming, they're just like, you know, walking around or just watching them about to fight. And all of a sudden he runs and they, the whole group runs after him. And as I'm watching them run off, I'm kind of watching it. And um, so as I look up, someone's walking toward me and I can't see it. I can't make out what it is. But as he gets closer, I start to realize what it is. It's a shotgun. Mm. And he walks up and he puts a shotgun to my head. And I'm just like, I throw my hands up and I'm backing up. Like, hey, man, I, like, I'm not part of this. I'm just you know, watching what's going on. And then as I'm, as I'm walking backwards, there's another guy who recognized me. And he tells the dude, he's like, hey, that's my brother's name is Bobby. But the, the street name, they call him you know, Sinister Bob. So they call him Cinny Bobo. And he said, that's Cinny Bobo's brother. And so then the guy, you know, he's like, who? He says, Cinny Bobo. So he recognizes that and he pulls the gun off my head and he goes away. My buddy, I go over there and see, check him out. And he's beat up, blood everywhere. And they just, they stomped him out. And so we help him back in the car, get him a car, takes me home that night. That was really another turning point in my life. That's when I stopped playing football, wasn't doing anything, man. I put myself in a situation where I'm in the wrong damn neighborhood, you know, at a, what, I'm 15 at the time, 14, 15. It's like, what am I doing putting myself in this situation? But what kept replaying in my mind at night when I was trying to go to sleep was that I was, I was really about a, I don't know how many pounds of pressure it is to shoot a gun, but it, it doesn't take much. And I'm like, that I could have been dead. You know what I mean? That moment replays in my head a lot and how I got myself in that situation. And I feel like I was letting my mom down. You know, she was working her butt off because now she had to take all of us in when my dad passed. So now you got, uh, my other brothers were graduating, but you have four or five at the house and, and it was a slot on her. So I always think, I, was, I always go back to like these, these points in my career and how I ended up as a Hall of Famer is like, 
the road is never really paved like this straight road. Mm -hmm. Most most of us have this this road, and sometimes that road is not only a detour. Um, sometimes it's a roadblock. Like you you're gonna find a lot of roadblocks to trying to get to where you want to go. But as I said before, I I love everything that's ever happened to me because I think ultimately it made me who I became. And it prepared me for all those disappointments. It prepared me for programs shutting down at Long Beach. Prepared me for, you know, games where, you know, you're down or you got to play hurt or people are doubting you, whatever it is. You know, I just felt like all of that prepared me to be that, that player that I became. Um, not only as a football player, but I think as a man. Like, you know, just kind of always being resilient. Stuff happens. You can't control a lot of stuff and you don't try to. And, you know, I, I, just like what Shannon was talking about, like, I, like I never think I'm the, the greatest. Now, on the field, was I the best back ever? Yeah, I felt that way. And it didn't matter what nobody else felt because it wasn't for other everybody to feel that way. But, that, but when you get to that level, and we all, we all played on that level, you got to feel like you're the best out there. Yeah. Now, anything after that and conversations of who the best ever, Biggest thing, and I think you just said it. The biggest thing for me is if my teammates say, "Man, when TD played, that dude gave us it. That dude was a hit man." They don't. I don't need to, nobody said he was the best. I didn't even say when he played. Man, we knew we knew what he was going to bring every time he played. A thousand percent. That's that's the biggest compliment I give from a teammate. It's not that. Oh yeah, he's like people got mad one time when I said Elway was the second. You know, we were ranking quarterbacks, mm -hmm. and I put you know put Tom at number one, Elway at number two. They was like, well, is John the second? Well, you think he'll say that about you as running back? I was like, yeah, he probably will. He probably wouldn't even have me in the top 10. And that's fine. Because <laughs> it, it's not about who you think is the best running back. It's like, if you ask John, like, would he, would he, would he want to play with another back other than me? And if he said another back, then that might be different. Like, I wouldn't say that, like, that's the only quarterback that I want to play for. I respect Tom Brady, but I don't need to play with nobody but number seven. Because I play with that dude, and I know what he can do. I've been there. I, I know that. I know number seven. I know what he's going to do every single game. Yeah. And that's that's the biggest compliment you can give a player, man, is, is saying that they gave it everything they had when they played. But It started with you being the sixth-round pick. That's what most people probably, you know, know when they tie into your pro career. But you say you were the youngest of six at one point. You say your dad said bullets cost six cents. Oh, here we go. Right. I see, I see. Okay. And uh, you were the sixth back on the depth chart before you – you know, went on and did your thing. And it just led me to start thinking about proprioception in the sixth sense. Mm. Things that you can't explain. Things that just happen to happen. And for that reason, you became, you know, that, that thing that just happened to happen, you know, in life. Unexplainable. But I think that the number six for me and, and, and where it's led you, I am appreciative to call you a friend. Right. Because if it wasn't from all those things that you endured and experienced your life, we wouldn't be here. But man, I just love and admire you. You know that. I wholeheartedly respect the fuck out of you for everything, not just as a player, but who you've become. I appreciate that. Likewise. You, you know, again, you know it, and I'm always going to say it, not only from... I know you're a gator. That's the only thing. That's the only, that's the only thing I can't. I just can't. I can't. I can't. Everybody hates looking up the hill at them, don't they? I travel with them all the time. So I went to LSU. So I'm with them all the time. I get it. Oh, I know. I know. But you said you told a story about you, about something about Florida. And you, they recruited you and you didn't want to go there because. No. 
We didn't Actually, want him. Florida was the only SEC school that didn't offer me. That was the only one. They didn't need me. He, they had that goofy and all. He's <laughs> sick all the time. We don't do that at Florida. <laughs> well, I, got I, asthma. I don't have asthma. <laughs> and you already said asthma is a mentality, not an actual sickness. This is all I say. I say this, TD, from my side of the football. The way you played the game, the biggest compliment I can ever give offensive players is I would have loved to play defense with you. Right. That that sort of physicality, that sort of mentality, those are the things that make running backs, at least to me, those are the things that make you respect them. To understand that if that dude was playing linebacker next to Channing or if he was playing safety next to me, I would never have to worry about what we had to get accomplished and him giving everything to that. On the other side of it, man, listening to your story and the amount of times that you had to make decisions in order to be what you've become and who you are, never take that for granted either. I know you have all of these moments that you say kind of help you get to this point. We got to make our own decisions. That's, that's big, man. And that's I think that's that's what I try to I try to always imprint that on on young our young people because everybody everybody wants their situation to dictate what they do and i've always said man we have a choice like you have to choose that and one of my my, my beliefs is i've never allowed myself or at least i try not to i never allow my level of effort be dictated by the situation meaning if i go into a game we're down by 14 i'm gonna give you the same I, i'm gonna i'm and that's the hardest thing to do, right? If you're down by 28 points, we, it's human nature. It's like, all right, man, we, we're losing by 28 points. Let's just get the hell out of this game. Like I've, I, but I've tried even in games like that. And really, you talked about kind of the sixth sense. I made the tackle in Tokyo, and that's how my career started. You know how my career ended? No. Making a tackle. I did not know that. I made a tackle on an on a interception. And when I made that tackle, ACL tear, teammate, friendly fire came into my ACL. And so most people were like, man, what the hell are you doing, dude? Like, I'd already won Super Bowls, league MVP. They were like, man, you should have just walked up the field. I said, dude, I, I, I only know how to play the game one way. Like, that's the only way I know how to play the game. Now, I could have been that guy and saw the pick come my way, walked up the field and be like, I'm cool. But I just, I just did, I don't play like that. And even in preseason games, I play the way I play. I just, I play the game one, one speed. And I try to always play it one way. And, it, and I don't want to get a sidebar with that, but... I think it's important that people understand, man, just don't ever look at something and try to play based off the situation. Yeah, I think in the end, it's been said, the position doesn't make the man. The man makes the position. And you got to where you were doing that. There so you we go. appreciate you, brother. Tell Cheers, me. man. Get a little Yes, you can. Appreciate you, no, brother. Appreciate that was dope, it, man. Thank thank yes, sir. Appreciate it, man. Yes, sir. Appreciate you, brother. <laughs> Big fan, man. Yes, sir. Oh. You are ready. My man, ready to, ready to. Hold up. Let me take a pin in it. I father here to witness it. Got my people feeling militant. Way I'm feeling, get me up. On the mission, get me up. Knowing me, I got the key. On the vision, I can trust. Trust. Limitless. Take a stomach cap pin in it. I father here to witness it. Got my people feeling militant. Way I'm feeling, get me up. On the mission, get me up.